day. Um, God, I pray you would just speak through, speak through Bobby and her story. God, we look forward to what you have in store for us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, this is Bobby Mahali. If you could give her a hand and make her feel welcome. Um, so I'm Bobby, and um, I'll just tell you a quick little bit about myself. Um, I've been married to uh, Drew for seven and a half years, and I have four wonderful children. Um, I've been here at the Firehouse Church for about two and a half years now, and um, I've been part of the Great Commission Church for um, since I, for almost ten years. Um, in fact, I actually was just uh, talking to Drew about this the other night, but. Um, it was uh, 10 years ago this October uh, that I first made the decision to um, follow God. It was at a Saturday night church, not unlike this one, and in fact, it really could be like my 10-year anniversary tonight, so I think that's kind of cool. Um, but if before that, if you would have told me that this is where I was going to end up, I would have never believed you. Um, I couldn't imagine having uh, such an awesome marriage or amazing kids. And so tonight I'm just going to kind of tell you a little bit of how I got from there to here. Um, but to start, I was uh, actually hoping that um, my husband would come up here and share a song that just I feel like really captures my heart for God. And uh, so we'll start with that. All right, well, we're going to put the, the words up here, but you don't need to, to stand up or anything. But if you want to to sing along, you can. But this, this is uh, In Christ Alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless bay, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid Here in the death of Christ I live There in the ground his body lay Light of the world by darkness slain Then bursting forth in glorious day up from the grave he rose again and as he stands in victory since curse has lost its grip on me for I am his and he is mine bought with the precious blood of Christ 
No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man could ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I stand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I stand. All right, so I realized I kind of forgot to do something. Um, Corey, we'll do, I'm going to do those first two pictures really quick. Um, so just some fun pictures about where I am. So this is a picture of my wedding, um, me and my husband. And that's not my daughter. That is my sister up there in the corner. Um, she wasn't at my wedding. And then uh, if you want to show the next picture, uh, these are my children. There's Vienna, Wesley, Xavier, and Geneva. So, um, so anyways, uh, I had Drew sing that song because I just I feel like that song just really captures how much God loves us and that his whole story is a love story for us. And um, even before um, I knew God, he always loved me. And so um, I'll just start from the beginning. And I was once a child and had a, a pretty normal childhood. Um, I was an only child until, um, until I was seven years old. And um, I, that was when my brother was born. You want to show that picture, the next one? So this is my family. So there's my parents and me in the front. I'm the oldest. And then my brother and sister. And uh, my childhood was pretty normal, like I said. And then um, when my brother was two, he was diagnosed with cancer. I'm going to show that next picture. Um, so that's my brother um, shortly after. Uh, actually, that's probably about six months after he was diagnosed. And then uh, my sister was born um, right then, about six months after he was diagnosed. And... Um, when he got sick, it was just, it was devastating for our family. He was, um, we spent most of our time in the hospital. Um, I, there were days I didn't get to go to school because of that. And um, it was just so hard for me. I, as a child, I just couldn't understand um, why my little brother would be so sick and uh, why my parents and I and him all had to go through something so difficult. And um, I just remember feeling so hopeless that there, was, there wasn't any way I could help. There wasn't anything I could do for him. I couldn't do anything for my parents. I was, I was only seven years old, and uh, that was such a, such a hard struggle for me that I remember when I didn't know what to do, when I was too sad or, or too fearful to do anything, I would go and I would sit in my closet and I would cry. And um, I had this stuffed animal dog, and when I squeezed him, he would sing the song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. Which at that point in my life, I did not know this song, um, but that song just made me so happy, and I never knew why, and I really felt like, um, even though at that point I didn't know God, that was God already starting his love story for me, and just reaching into my life, and giving me comfort, um, even though I didn't know him, and uh, that, was, uh, that was just really a uh, big comfort for me then, and so um, after my sister was born, um, my brother was still going through uh, chemotherapy treatments, and we were living in Indiana at the time. And uh, my family decided that it was too hard to continue living in Indiana because we didn't have any family nearby. 
So uh, my family moved back to Colorado uh, to be uh, close to my grandparents and the rest of our family uh, here. And we moved here and my brother started doing better and life kind of seemed like it was going to be okay. Things were kind of getting back to normal. I enjoyed having a little sister. My brother was getting healthier. We got to go do his Make-A-Wish trip, which was really fun. We got to go to Disney World and um, things kind of seemed like it was going to be okay. And then um, the next really hard thing for me in my childhood was um, actually the Columbine High School shooting, which I'm sure everyone remembers. Um, but my, uh, that was actually the high school I was supposed to go to. Um, the elementary school I was going to at the time wasn't very far, and we were on lockdown that day, uh, which meant that they closed all the blinds in our windows, turned off the lights, and we had to sit on the floor for like eight hours. Um, my teacher couldn't tell, wasn't allowed to tell us what was going on, so she sat in the corner crying by herself and just told us, shh, shh, be quiet, be quiet. And um, we couldn't leave to go to the cafeteria for lunch. The only food we could eat was what was in the classroom, what we had packed in our backpacks. And um, as, a, as a fifth grader, that was so terrifying that the only source of authority in our room was sobbing in the corner. And she, just, she was just so afraid that it made us afraid. We didn't know what to do. And um, like I said, we didn't, it, wasn't, it was longer than the day, uh, a normal school day before they actually let us go home. In fact, it was like 5 o'clock that night when they finally let my mom come and get me. And um, they were only letting one parent in the school at a time to come get the kids. So my mom came and got me. And she's like, okay, we can't talk till we get to the car. And we get to the car and she tells me what has happened and that uh, somebody came into a school with a gun and was shooting people. And I just remember feeling like school's supposed to be somewhere that's safe. This is where I'm supposed to go learn. Why would anybody do this? I, I didn't understand and I got really scared. And it took a long time before we were allowed to go back to school because, I mean, we were so close to it. They wanted to make sure that everything was safe again, safe again. And so um, by the time I finally was allowed to go back to school, they, um, they made us practice pretty much on a weekly basis what to do if somebody did that again. And to me, that was just my teacher saying, okay, you should be afraid. We have to practice because this could happen again. And... Um, Again, I just, I felt so helpless. I felt scared. Um, first, my brother was sick, and now people, I, people were shooting other people in school, and I, I didn't, I was just, felt so helpless that I couldn't do anything to change it. Um, but again, life just kept going on, and uh, about a year later, my family decided to move again. So we moved up to northern Colorado, and it kind of felt like life was starting over. It was a different school. I was away from Columbine. It was all going to be okay. I was going to get away from it. And uh, my brother was still doing good, and I just I felt like it was going to be okay. So um, life just kept going on. And then in eighth grade, um, September 11th happened, and I hadn't gotten away from it. It um, happened again. Um, I'll never forget that morning that um, I was sitting watching the news with my mom. They were talking about what had happened and um, we actually were watching when the second tower was hit by an airplane. And my mom just literally jumped off the couch and ran upstairs screaming for my dad. And um, I just sat there on the floor thinking to myself, why is one plane okay? Two planes my mom is running around the house screaming. Um, and uh, shortly after that, I learned why my mom had the right to be afraid, um, because uh, because terrorists had attacked our country, and um, I started to realize that I, I wasn't going to be able to escape um, the problems of this world. I couldn't escape the illness. I couldn't escape shootings in schools. I couldn't. 
couldn't escape 9-11. It's, it's a fact of our, our world. And um, that really affected my worldview. Um, I became a very fearful person. I um, started making bad choices because I just felt like, well, it doesn't matter what I do because um, every time I turn around, something horrible is going to happen. So I'm just going to live my life for myself and just do whatever I want. And um, so then I started high school with that attitude. And as a high school with that attitude, you don't make good choices. And I did not. Um, I got myself involved with a lot of destructive relationships. Um, most of them were um, just emotionally destructive. But unfortunately, some of them were worse than that. And um, wasn't making very good choices um, for myself. Just kind of did whatever felt fun and seemed good to do. And uh, but still through this whole time, I, I know that God was protecting me because, I mean, really in the big scope of things, I did not make that bad of decisions. Um, so one of the things I did decide to do was to get a job. So I started working at um, a Cold Stone Creamery mm-hmm. and uh, thought, oh man, I'm going to have money. I can buy myself clothes. I can, I can go buy food. I can do whatever I want with it. And so that just sounds so exciting for me. So I, I started my job. And uh, shortly after I started my job, uh, uh, my uh, now husband started working there and I thought he looked pretty cute and so I really really wanted him to take me on a date and I would ask him and then I would ask him and every single time he said no I'd say I'd call him I would change my work schedule I would do pretty much anything just to be able to see him and I would call him hey will you switch shifts with me and he'd be like uh, no I've got something going on I'm like oh okay well that's okay why don't we just go on a date and I would just make these ridiculous um, he finally broke down and one day was just like alright if you really want to spend time with me then come to church with me and so to me I felt like it was a victory um, I did not know it was going to change my life at all and so I was like yes it's a victory I'm going on a date with them sure it's at church but whatever um, so that was really exciting and so I showed up of course fashionably late the first night and um, that night I saw a group of people that I had never seen before. These people were, were not hopeless. These people genuinely loved each other. They um, just, the atmosphere in the room was so different from anything I had ever experienced and I knew I wanted that. And it was so hard for me the next time I did work with Drew to tell him how badly I wanted to go back to his church. And I'm like, I promise it's not me trying to hang out with you. Like, I really do want to go back to your church. And so um, I just kept coming, and I spent a lot of time um, even outside of the church with the people there, um, just hanging out with them. They were all so sweet to me. And then um, one night at the Saturday night service, like I said, um, the, the pastor on stage um, shared uh, the gospel and it just hit me that this is what those people had that I did not have. This is how they could be um, have hope when it seemed to be hopeless. And that was because they had put their trust and hope in God. Um, that they understood that Jesus Christ had died for their sins and um, had accepted that forgiveness. And so I um, just remember that everybody else was like leaving the church and I was still just sitting in the front just crying my eyes out and just telling God how sorry I was for my, the bad choices that I had made and that I wanted to change my life. And I knew that the only way I could do that was through Him changing me. It couldn't be myself. And so um, I, I did that. And then my life did change. Um, I saw so many changes in my life. Um, most of them were just in my heart, um, my attitude towards other people, my attitude towards myself, my attitude towards the world. It, it all completely changed. I um, 
I know that the, the changes must have been pretty drastic because um, shortly after that, uh, Drew approached me and said, hey, I kind of want to date you now. <laughs> um, so it must have uh, appealed to him. And so uh, about two and a half years after that, we got married. And um, one of the other things that God had really changed about me um, when I got saved was my um, desire to have children. Before I was saved, I thought that having kids was the craziest thing in the world. Why would anybody want to do that? I didn't understand. And then um, after being saved, I saw that children were a blessing and that they were a way to, to change this world. And if I wanted to make a positive impact in this world, having children and raising them in God's way could really make a positive impact um, in the world. And so I really wanted kids, and God blessed that desire. And we had our first child uh, about two years after we were married. And then another one 18 months after that. And then another one 18 months after that. <laughs> um, but then I uh, had to face my first trial with my faith, um, my first big trial with my faith, uh, 18 days after our third was born. Um, his name is Xavier. And um, it was Easter morning, and we were getting ready for church. And um, he just didn't seem right. He was kind of breathing funny, and he was... Uh, looking really pale and not okay. And so Drew was like, why don't you take him to the hospital and just go make sure everything's okay. And so I took him to the emergency room. And as we were, um, as, as they started checking him out in the emergency room, all of a sudden, like, alarms just start going off everywhere. And nurses and doctors are running in there, and they are taking my baby out of my arms. And I couldn't even see what they were doing anymore because there were so many of them in the room literally trying to save his life because his oxygen level was down to 50% and he was, he was dying. Um, and so I called Drew and it was just like, Drew, he's dying, you have to come here. And, um, and then the, the social worker showed up um, in the room, which to me was a very bad sign. Um, with all I had gone through with my brother, I knew when a social worker came in your room, that's not a good sign. It means something very, very bad is happening. Um, and I, I, I thought God was taking my son, but this time I didn't feel helpless. I didn't, I, I, I wasn't happy about what's going on, but I didn't feel helpless. And I knew that God had a plan, and I, um, I just broke down and started praying to God out in the hallway. And I thanked God for 18 days that He had already given us with Xavier, and just. I believed uh, the verse, James 1.17, that every good and perfect gift comes from above because the time then, um, up to that point, our, our lives had been a blessing with Xavier and I knew that God had a good plan no matter what it was, even if he would have taken Xavier from us um, that day, that um, God was going to do good things with that moment in our lives. And um, I knew that God was. Uh, I knew that Xavier was always in God's hand, and I knew this because it's. It wasn't God's plan to have pain and destruction in our world. Um, that was man's choice that brought those things, and um, I knew that God wanted good things for our family and for Xavier. Um, I actually have a picture of Xavier. Um, so this is him. He. Um, it was a very difficult week that that followed, but um, Xavier did end up pulling through. God, um, he still has us with him, and he, uh, he's a rambunctious little two-year-old now, and just uh, so blessed at all the things that God has done in my life. Um, and if you want to go ahead and pull up the next verse, the next slide, yeah. So I wanted to share the verse, Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates his own love, love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. Um, this, li- this verse 
changed my life when I was 16 years old. Um, dramatically changed the way that I, I saw life and saw myself. And just knowing that no matter what I had done, and no matter what I would do, that God would always love me and always be there with me. Um, that's all I needed to know to make that decision to follow God. And so that's why I believe. And I think I was going to open it up for questions if anybody had any. I can't see very well, so if you raise your hand, you're going to have to... Yeah. What did you say was wrong with him? Uh, my son had RSV pneumonia. Um, he had RS, viral RSV and pneumonia at the same time. Is there a hand back there? Oh, oh, he's he's looking for something to write down. Does anybody have a pen and paper? He... Oh. Paul, are you going to ask something? like the, the stories that I shared tonight and this kind of why I shared them are, are they're all things I mean especially some of the stuff that was more of a community tragedy than something specific to us I feel like I've been able to uh, talk to people about and, and share um, how I I believe that um, that God doesn't want those things to happen and that he grieves just the same way that we do um, when bad things happen um, but that he can still bring good things about in them. I mean, like with my brother getting sick, um, it, yes, it was a, a very sad thing that happened to our family, but, I mean, my brother is an amazing guy now. I mean, he's 19 years old, he's got an awesome job, he's going to college, and that him getting sick is part of his past, it's part of who he is now. And, um, and I think that if, if you look at things on a big scale you can always see the good in it. But if you isolate the incidences, that, that's when it gets really scary. You have to see the big picture. Hold on, Wesley. So he asked, your struggle with God in the hall of the hospital, how did that play out and what did you hear? What did you feel? Um, when I was in the hospital, um, I, I think the biggest thing was that I, it's when I knew that my faith was, was from God because it, it was not my flesh that wanted to be saying in the midst of this situation, just praying God and telling him how thankful I was. Um, my flesh wanted to be angry, but it wasn't. I mean, well, my flesh wanted to be angry, but I, I wasn't. And... Um, it just it amazed me the the peace that God gave me in that moment to be able to say, "Okay, God, it's been 18 days, and I love my son dearly, and I don't want you to take him from me. But if you do, I'm okay with that. Like I really genuinely was okay with that, and um, 
I don't feel that I heard anything. I don't know if I could have above the sirens and the screaming and the yelling that was going on in the hospital room at the time. Um, but I know that I felt God's presence with me. I, he was definitely there with me, and I was not alone. It was, it was a very amazing time. Wesley, did you want to ask a question? Did I what? Did I did. I am very, very thankful that God made me a Christian and that He did that He died on the cross so that I could be forgiven. How is your son doing right now? He's doing good. He is now two and a half years old and a rambunctious little kid. He's not here tonight. He's with the family so that I could sit up here and not in the back with him on my lap. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was in that picture earlier that we showed. So, yeah, definitely glory to God on that. He Very thankful. So... There's a point in your life where you feel like God kind of got a hold of you um, through Jesus. What's a, have you ever thought about what your life would be like today, maybe, if that hadn't happened? And so would you share that? Yes. Um, I feel like I know what my life would be like um, because when I was in high, I was in high school um, when I got saved, and... Um, from the point that I got saved and the friends that I had, our lives went like this. And um, I was like a to- such a different person that they didn't even want to hang out with me anymore. Um, and so it, it breaks my heart when I, when I hear some of the stories of, um, of pain, that, of choices that people have made, of, of drugs and um, bad relationships and um, just poor choices in general. And... Um, it just breaks my heart when I see that, and I know that that is what God saved me from. Because I, I would never ever be where I am today. I would, I don't believe I would have a husband, and if I did, I do not believe it would be as amazing of a husband as I have now. Um, I guarantee you that it wouldn't have ever been my plan to have kids because my mom did uh, daycare while I was growing up, and there were always little kids in our house, and I was like, ah, oh, these kids need to leave. But now I love my kids more than anything, and. I'm just thankful that God made those changes in my life because I, I love my life and wouldn't change anything about it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I believe that you used to work there as well, so you can go ahead and sing that for me. <laughs> I sang for tips. Do do I get a tip for this? (laughs) Well, I guess she was just really thorough. 